0: Hey everybody! Welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carolyn April, and as always, looking for my good buddy Seth Robinson. Seth,
1: hey, how you doing? All right. Yeah.
0: Withstanding the heat. Yeah. I want to talk weather, but it's kind of dominating. Um, It seems like the world right now, but um, we're getting a fair share of mid nineties here in New England, and it's been a bit oppressive.
1: Yeah, that's. uh, You're in the same situation. I was talking to one of our colleagues in the UK, and they had their big heat wave, and he's in the same boat as you. They don't have like air conditioning cause they're not, um, you know, set up for that. So uh, he was, he was sweltering pretty bad. And it's so funny. He's like, it's 40 here. And I'm like 40 and then I, oh, yes, yeah, oh, I gotcha. <laughs> so.
0: Celsius, yeah, I still can't do that conversion. It's, just, <laughs> it's it's a great shame of mine that I have really, really bad rudimentary at best metric system knowledge or Celsius and Celsius and Fahrenheit's the worst, so. Um, I
1: would think you would be better at it as an engineer
0: background. No? Yeah,
1: I, I have a sense of it, but yeah, yeah, like it's still it's not the first thing I think of. So like when he says that, I'm like, yeah. well, that's not bad at all. And I'll, oh yeah, no, probably horrible. So no, uh,
0: yeah, but you know, we're we're surviving here. Yes, it's a little. It's mostly it's the humidity, but um, I think tomorrow is a bit of relief, and then we'll be heading toward the weekend. So at least I can go like sit by the beach or something and deal with it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. So uh, today is part two of our series on partner experience, which you did a survey on. You've written a couple different research briefs. Uh, One of them is already out. One of them is coming out next week. Uh, And last time we focused on partner experience from the perspective of solution providers, from people that are kind of demanding partner experience. And then this time we wanted to take a look at it from the vendor perspective, from those people that are now being required to try to deliver a better mm-hmm. or a different partner experience. And I know for uh, this section of this uh, study, you interviewed some people. Uh, it wasn't just uh, a survey that you put out there. You pulled some of the data from the survey that you had, but then you interviewed some vendor reps and yeah. some distributor reps to try to get some of their perspective. So at a high level, what would you say you know vendors and distributors are kind of thinking of as they approach this topic and as they're hearing things from their partner networks?
0: Well, um, it's always good to to, to talk one on one. You know, we do that with some of our studies. So I'll just I'll talk about that for just a second. But you know, we have so much quantitative data, which is terrific and and great to work with. Um, but it's always nice to complement that when you can. With some anecdotal and in the trenches kind of perspective from from people who, who work in these in, in these areas every single day, and it's also a nice validation to find out whether this, the 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 information you're getting from the from the surveys that you do is actually resonating or happening out in the field according to people that you talk to, and they're the, certainly experienced that in doing the interviews. Um, I would say from a high level, you know, partner experience is something that vendors and distributors um, have always had to focus on. We just didn't call it partner experience. You know, it didn't have the the buzzword and the acronym around it than it did. Um, and a lot of elements of it are, are are the same as they were 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And, you know, the number one being ease of doing business. And, you know, are you a vendor who a partner wants to work with because not only will you help them make money, but more importantly, you're easy to do business with the relationship is smooth it's without friction and it's geared toward helping the partner be successful now that all sounds really great coming out of my mouth and yada 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 but it's not as easy as uh as it sounds and it's really the ongoing problem and it's only made more complicated today because everything is more complex the types of technologies we use are more complex the routes to market are very different than they used to be back 20 to 15 years ago when it was a lot of hardware moving very linear, as we've talked about, from the manufacturer through a partner to the end customer. Now you've got things in the cloud, you've got things in online marketplaces, you've got a mushrooming ecosystem of vendors, little guys, ISVs all over the place, that partners have a choice to work with today, uh, as opposed to just the stable of you know four or five big giant platform vendors who used to rule pretty much everybody in the direction um, that you took as a partner and the products that you were going to resell. So I think vendors in talking to them are struggling a little bit with how to um, how to capture partner interest in a time of a lot of choice and and, and understanding that they they don't they can't necessarily call all the shots anymore. Um, be, there are a lot of other things that they have to wrestle with then downstream, and that's how to construct a partner program that makes sense to um, today's realities in the market. Um, there's a lot of different partners out there today, so they all look different with their business models. So a one-size-fits-all on the program side doesn't work anymore. And then there are other things like demographics. Um, so you have um, partners that have been around a long time, like myself, you know, that age, um, who are used to doing business with their vendors in a certain way. There are newer partners that are a blank slate and they have their own preferences when they start to work with vendors for the first time. like they they don't like the way that maybe the established uh, established partners do things. So there's a lot of flux right now, and I think there's a lot of people sitting around conference tables trying to decide you know how to map out the best way to be that um, vendor that is the
1: favorite among mm. partners.
0: That was very long-winded, but...
1: No, know. that's good. And, and as you were talking, I'm curious, you know, to to know, I know we talked last time about all the things that partners are looking for. And so many of them are still some of the same things that they've always looked for, you know, yeah. like uh, support around technical products or response time or whatever it is. And, you know, as we dove into the, the vendor perspective here for this week, I think the same thing was kind of in my mind. And I'm curious to know like your gut feel around this? Because I'm sure if you get people in a room and you say, we're going to talk about partner experience, everyone nods their heads and says, this is a really important thing. Mm-hmm. But how different is it from everything else they've been been doing? Um, and and are there, you know, all these newer elements that might've popped up, are those really top of mind? Or is this one of those things that if you... If you get away from the topic of partner experience and you kind of say, What's important here? Give me a rank order of what's important. You find that so many of the things that are important are the same things that, that have always been. And what we're talking about here is a little bit of stuff on the margin. And I guess part of where I'm going with this is how much of that really falls to the vendors these days? And how much of it is, is really more of a partner thing to kind of say, I'm steering my own ship now, you know, and I, I'm working with these okay. vendors. But I have to be responsible for some of my own stuff um, because, you know, the, the, the vendors are dealing with, as you've said, you know, this wide array of, of things. I mean, that's kind of a, a long and rambling question, but I'm just curious to know kind of what your your gut feel is on this now that you've looked at it from two different ways and you've looked at it for a couple of different years now.
0: Yeah. Um, what you just said about the partners having to take more ownership and and, and have, you know, more accountability for how they run their own business um and less reliance on the vendor and the vendor's brand that's very much true i want to go back to the first thing you said though is like what's different and you know the more things change the more things do stay the same a lot of things are the same that partners value if you really call them to you know call them on it and said write it down you know what is that what is it that you value the most from your vendor partners and it'll be you know like you said it'll be support um it'll be obviously compensation and it'll be communication those things have always been um way up at the top and then you can get into the nitty-gritty details of partner programs like mdf and deal registration but um you know those depending it, those really do depend on who you're talking to whether or not they're valued any more today than they were yesterday um but but in the new kind of cloud world where customers are often buying on their own, you know, they're able to procure an application they're interested in, um, you know, from online, you know, and then if they need help with that, how to use it, how to integrate it, you know, um, how to get the best of their, you know, their, the, the best ROI out of it, then they might engage with a partner. So it really is incumbent upon partners to kind of take it on themselves to do the branding, create the reputation and, and do the work that will um, cement them with customers. It used to be that vendors really were uh, who a partner went to market promoting themselves as. They were almost, you know, an extension of the sales staff, an extension of the technical staff for a particular vendor. You know, your former employer, IBM, is, is no different. You know, there when I first got into this industry... You know, anybody in the IBM partner program, the, uh, you hardly knew the names of those companies. They just identified as an IBM partner. And then what part of IBM? We mm-hmm. sold AS400, which really dates me right now, but or we sold, you know, you name some server line or whatever it was. And, and that's how they went to market. And, and customers actually were pretty savvy then and knew they wanted to buy IBM or they wanted to buy Microsoft. So they looked for partners who were aligned with those vendors. That's not really the case today. So when I talk to some of these vendors, you're right. Part of them are like, look, look, there's only so much we can do. The new world order is that partners have to go out there and, and promote themselves and understand how to run their business as well, which probably um, gets us to why. And this is one of the new things that partners are demanding more. Why partners today, when asked about partner experience, are looking to vendors today for things like business training, which we've talked about. They're looking for help on what the new things that they really need to get on top of. So that's, you know, running their business better, how to market it, uh, you know, how to do demand gen, all of the things that um, they may have kind of limped through knowing how to do well, because they are mostly technical people and they relied a lot on their vendor help for that. Now they really want training so they can actually do it themselves in the field. So it's a combination of some of the things they st- from days gone by they will always value and then things that are based on today's new realities of how you go to market are going to make them have to change.
1: Yeah, yeah, so from a from a vendor perspective, you know, if if the vendors and their their uh, channel account managers and those things have always been focused on the most critical things for delivering product to a partner and making sure that a partner is set up and and enabled to uh, resell that product or support that product. Mm -hmm. And and now partners are saying, I want some of these other things. I want, you know, some business training. Uh, How much are the vendors kind of changing their internal operations or adding to their internal operations in order to deliver some of these things on top of the, the primary chain of value that they've always been focused on?
0: Yeah, they are to the extent that they can. And sometimes some of this training, ha- it, it, you know, it, it, it's in the the particular vendor's own bubble, you know, and that's one of the problems is we don't have this sort of like universal landscape where, our, you know, a multi-language kind of thing where um, if you took training um, from this vendor, it really applies to how you would go about and sell, you know, other vendors types of things. So it's it, it gets very challenging when you as most partners do deal in a multi-vendor environment. But I, in talking to some of the vendors, they are doing things like some of them have, are putting together uh, boot camps and not boot camps. Like you're thinking like a technical one around coding or something like that, but more like boot camps around business fundamentals uh, and then next level business. There's a, there's a lot of interest among channel companies since most of them are small, but those that are bumping on the ceiling of moving up to maybe a mid-level company. And there's a lot of different, um a little bit more sophisticated skills that are necessary on the business side to be able to grow um, from a million dollar company to a 10 million dollar company which would be astronomical but in the incremental you know steps to get there um how you run that kind of business as you expand your staff and what you do is very different than you know operating a four-person shop and they're looking for help with that and so some of the vendors i've talked to they are they're trying to put into place um, training programs like that, in person webinars, things of that nature. They're also partnering with, you know, folks like Comptia and you know, and outside forces to try to help um, help provide those types of resources to their partners that they themselves can't scale. And that's really important. A vendor can only do so much from a scale standpoint, um, especially vendors that have a huge pyramid of partners, inverted pyramid of partners, and their best ones. But down here at the bottom, if they've got like Microsoft does, thousands of partners here at the bottom, there's no way to scale out something like business training on a universal basis. You can't do it. So you need help. Um, which brings us to probably the part, you know, the part of the equation that, that is helping the most right now, and that is the distribution. So the distributors um, are playing a big role um, because they, by necessity, had to change their entire business model as we moved to the cloud. And part of the new role that they've taken on, and we can discuss this if you want, is, is being able to provide some of those services that a vendor themselves cannot scale to the number of partners who are out there.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting. I mean, I'm thinking about um, the, the CAM training that we've provided in the past, and I yep. know you've consulted on that a lot. And, and I'm thinking that whether you're a vendor or a distributor, providing this kind of training out to your uh, the, your partners and your clients is probably not historically been a core competency and so I'm imagining that vendors and distributors as they expand their operation within that channel account uh, department or, or organization, they might need some help on this in, in terms of like understanding, mm-hmm you know, when when a partner says that they want some help marketing, that probably doesn't look like the same type of marketing that the vendor does for themselves, right? And so it needs to be a different type of marketing and they need to maybe start from basics. And I'm guessing that the channel account managers don't always have all of that skill and knowledge. And so they're having to look for it. And, you know, is that the type of thing that I know, like I said before, you've been involved in some of our CAM training. Like, is that the type of thing that organizations like us would need to help vendors with as, as vendors are trying to expand what they do for their partners and distributors the same way. Yeah. Um, do, do they need some assistance in, in how to do that? It's not just doing kind of more of the same that they've done before
0: yeah no, you're totally right. I mean, the definition and the job description of a of a channel account manager and all of those who work in in that uh, channel uh, organization for a vendor has really changed quite a bit. It really it, it you know it, it used to be. The way the best way to describe it is, I would think of CAMs more as like they're facilitators, but they're also keeping tabs on partners to make sure the partners are are doing what they're supposed to be doing in terms of for the vendor selling our stuff, making the most that you can there. Um, um, So again, that goes back to it being a little bit of an imbalance where the vendor had all the leverage and the partner didn't. Today, those things are still important. Vendors are still there to make money, but. It's not just about how well the partner is performing to, at the service of the vendor. These channel account managers now really need to focus on helping the partner be successful for the partner. So, mm-hmm. And that's what partners are looking at. So let their business outcomes matter just as much as whatever the vendor's business outcomes are. Seems like a subtle difference, but it isn't. Um, and, and some of the training I know that we've done internally that we're helping CAMS with uh, reflects that. Um, That, you, you know, that this really the best, at least messaging for you to get out to your partners is that you're you're working with them to achieve their goals um uh, yeah. and, uh, and not just the vendor vendor goals um and that's one of the data points that we had in our study we asked you know partners um you know do you find that your vendors listen to you do you feel like you're being heard about your business goals and the numbers were most for the, the those that said most of the time the numbers were in the high 40s 40 40%, percent which means there's a ton of room to go for partners mm. to really feel like they're being heard and so that may speak to we're at a point right now where those channel account manager, those types of roles have not fully evolved and been fully retrained to reflect today's needs
1: uh, for those jobs. Yeah. Do you know if there's um, kind of different metrics within vendors and distributors? Because like what you're describing to me, and especially as I think about distributors doing this, like if a distributor is providing business training to a partner how exactly does that help you know the the vendor? it's it's a much more indirect you know chain than the previous you know product goes from one place to another and everyone right. can track it. So are people kind of trying to grapple with the new metrics here um, to, to understand if if a rising tide lifts all ships, how exactly does that happen?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. And I didn't get a metrics answer specifically from, from anybody, I mean, I, I can imagine there are the basic KPIs that people measure and 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 those sorts of things. But it is, it I like the you know ship every you know ship rising, um, because that is a good analogy and a, a good metaphor for that. Because distributors, in some ways, are playing a little bit of a selfless role. Oh, They serve two groups. I mean, the partners are their customers, so to speak. And they are really the customer of the of the vendors. So the vendors want to push through distribution as much as a as a distributor can help improve the business prospects of the partners. That of course then helps the vendors who's trying right. to sell that. How they measure it, I'm sure they do within do- basic dollars and cents, and how and you know and and annual quarterly sales and and all of that. Hopefully, there are some more or softer types of metrics that are being used as well. And that may be a really good topic for state of the channel study um, coming up early next year um, to zero in on how we, uh, we talk a good game, but how do we actually see if there's any real results? Sounds like a good theme to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. um, I want to go back to another topic that you kind of mentioned before that I think is one of the big ones here and that's communications. Mm. Um you know, obviously always a part of the experience or the satisfaction, but another thing that's changing so dramatically here, and I'm guessing another thing that, you know, vendors are, are struggling with as you've got, you know, a thousand different partners wanting to be communicated to in a thousand different ways. Um, so so what, are, what are some of the trends that they're talking about when it comes to communicating with partners, both maybe the, the, the format and the style of the communication, but maybe the content of the communication as well?
0: Yeah, uh, this is a big pain point for vendors, and understandably so. Um, and it, it comes down to, you know, you have to make decision about can we serve everybody and suit everybody's preference? Um, do we pick and choose, um, you know, some? And it, it's very difficult for them. Um, it used to be, you know, one fire hose of information that would go out to all partners and you know, let it fall wherever it falls, and see you know which partners actually read that memo or didn't read that memo, or you know took advantage of this um, this deal that was communicated out via email if they even saw it. You know, um, today partners are much more finicky about how they want to be communicated with, you know, so there's, you know, old school communication, very happy the way that it's always been done, pick up the phone, email, whatever. Um, there are partners now that don't want to talk to anybody and they, you know, just like you make decisions about how you want to interact with the consumer provider experiences you have in your personal life. It's kind of like that, you know, do I want to solve this problem with a quick video chat or a quick, just a chat bot or I am or something. Um, using social media that's another you know another way to communicate um so so vendors i talked to them about this they've had to make investments and like actually hire people these are people's jobs now figuring out how to do communications and uh for for their partner community figuring out how to build good partner portals this has always been a pain point for vendors as well um pull any partner aside and ask them about partner portals and their eyes will roll and they'll be you know they'll all say that they're terrible and they're hard to navigate and so whoever comes up with the you know the um the magic fix for partner portals that work um will make a lot of money Um, no one's managed to do it yet because it's because the the real one that everybody wants the panacea for partner portals is one of them that everybody all vendors information all flows through Um, And unfortunately, the vendors do compete with one another. So they really don't want to agree to do that. So, um, so that the partners are never getting that. Um, That's the best of all worlds. It's a dream. So it'll never happen. So, you know, I hope, you know, this answers your question, but it's the, the communications issue is um, one that, that vendors it's top of mind. It's, part of the partner program discussion. It touches everybody who works in the partner in, uh, organization within a vendor's group. Um, and I don't know that they've 100% solved it. Um, I don't think you'll ever get A pluses from the majority of partners when you ask them, how is the communications um, working between you and all of your vendors? You won't get A pluses there. But you know mm-hmm. some do it better than others. Um, it's going to be an ongoing challenge.
1: Yeah, it's funny you mentioned uh, how this is no different from all of us dealing with you know customer experiences. We're dealing with yeah. you know different service people that we work with. I know in my house, you know my wife hates to be on the phone. I hate to email people because I feel like it's going into the black hole. So I think we've kind of figured out like. Mm-hmm. Which of the, the, you know, people that we work with likes to be on the phone and is quick to answer which one's email and we've divided it up that way. So it's like, you know, can you email the long guy because uh, he responds to his email and then can you call the garage guy because because he doesn't respond to his email, he picks up the phone. And so we, we've divided it that way. And, you know, kind of to your point, like. It can't be on any one vendor to be providing the the best way, you know, all these multiple ways of of communication. And some of that has to be on the partner to maybe figure out what are the strengths of a different vendor or distributor or what are the strengths of the communication channels? How does that line up with my preferences? How can I how can I leverage that? And how can I maybe work around it? You know, if it's uh, if it's not perfectly in line.
0: Yeah, just so. like any other relationship, right? You know, in life, you've got to figure out, you know, compromises and, you know, and like you said with you and your wife, you know, who who prefers this mechanism versus that mechanism and uh and 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 you know, roll with it because you're never gonna get, you know, the perfect world for you. And I think vendors would like to share that out to their partners that that message, you know, you know, not everybody gets everything, um, but they can't, they want to do it in a nice way so that they don't alienate their partners as well. So it's a little bit of a dance, um, that they do with one another. But, um, if you're smart, you figure out the best way to work with, with people and, uh, and, and that is on you. I think, okay, well, personal responsibility could be the theme of this volley. So we'll, we'll go with
1: that. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably a, a good place to land it. So, uh, I know that you will be talking on this topic at ChannelCon in a couple of weeks. Uh, we had an episode a, a few weeks ago about our different summer events, and they're coming up. We were talking, you know, right before the show about getting ready yeah. for for ChannelCon that both you and I will be at. Uh, Partner Summit will be happening at the same time. Uh, might be able to dip into that a little bit, but again, you know, for anyone out there, you know, interested in these things, keep an eye on on both you know, the Channel Con uh, site and the Partner Summit site. I know there's gonna be several things that are streamed and recorded out of the event. So even if you can't make it in person, yeah. hopefully you can tap into some of the content, but uh, I think that'll do it for now. So yeah. thanks Jalen for uh, all the insights on this topic. Okay. Thanks as always to our producer, Andrea McMillan, and I will talk to you next time.
0: Sounds good.